This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Ann, and this is Safe Space, a live show about subjects that are hard to talk about because they make us feel afraid, ashamed, or just really uncomfortable. Tonight's show is part of a series that we're doing on living with feelings of failure. And my guest tonight is Roger Amory. We're going to be talking about the inability to quit smoking. Roger Amory is also known as Pokey, is a local documentary filmmaker. He's the owner of Pound of Tea Productions. He has a special interest in making films about Maine Islands and other small communities. He's currently making a film about women's roller derby. And he describes himself as addicted to smoking for the past 28 years. Welcome to Safe Space. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Anne. Glad to have you. So I wonder if you might just start by telling me the story of your relationship with smoking. How did it get started? How did it feel when when you first started smoking? Um, it all started in the basement of my parents' house uh-huh. when I was about 13, and my parents would leave me, finally, without a babysitter, and I'd tear down to the basement and start smoking my father's cigarettes. Ah, so your dad smoked? Both my parents smoked. Uh-huh, okay, so this was like this gesture of independence and freedom, like, I don't need a babysitter, I'm on my own? Well, I don't know. Um, that makes a lot of sense, but... I think it was maybe the urge toward maturity and like, oh, I'm a grown-up. Yeah, so yes. Yeah. Yeah. And had your parents given you any messages about smoking? Uh, That it was totally okay. Um, You know, I remember lighting cigarettes for my parents. There was nothing taboo about it. You know, in the culture that they were raised in, it it was just part of the atmosphere. Right, so it's so different from today. It's hard to imagine a parent in today's culture, doing that. In this country, in today's culture, it's hard to imagine. Right. So they gave you the message both, you know, behaviorally and, and verbally also that it was totally okay? Um, it wasn't that I got the message, oh, it's fine if you smoke. But my irritation of their cigarette smoke, w- the, the message I got about that was, well, what if you fall in love with someone who smokes? You're going to fall in love with someone who smokes. You're going to date people who smoke. You're going to have friends that smoke. So, you know, you're sort of the outsider here right. in this house. And, you know, you're going to have to get used to it. You're going to have to get used to cigarette smoke because it is part of the world we live in. That was yeah. That was the message I got. Yeah. And so there you are. You run down to the basement. And what do you remember what the first time you inhaled was like? Uh, the first time I inhaled, I remember, because it was a cigarette that my dad had tossed on the lawn out in front of the house, and I couldn't believe how foul it tasted, (laughs) you know, and burned my mouth, my throat. I'm like, oh my God, this is just gross. Mm. And when was it, did you, that you actually started to experience some kind of response to the nicotine? Did that happen? I'm thinking, um... I don't know. That's a good question. So you don't have like this ready-to-mind experience. I know some people have told me where they feel this intense kind of almost like a jolt of energy or onness or feeling a little bit buzzed from it. No. No, that's a really interesting question, though, and I I don't think I've considered that. Um, Uh. I remember making the decision to become a smoker. Oh, tell me about that. Uh, I was dating this woman in Boston who was a smoker. <laughs> so your parents' prediction came true. Oh, my parents were right on. Who knows why? Um, you know, in terms of the women that I would be attracted to. 
Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, I was dating this woman in Boston who was a smoker, and all our friends were smokers. And, you know, she smelled of cigarettes all the time and uh, urged me to smoke. And so I was driving home to see my family uh, for the weekend, coming back up here to Maine. And I bought a pack of cigarettes, and I smoked a bunch of them in the car. I'm like, all right, I'm going to smoke. <laughs> right, so you remember. It's like this moment in time that is in your mind, a decision. Absolutely. It was clear, a, a clear decision. And how did it feel to make that decision? I might have to take longer than half an hour to think about that. <laughs> I mean, was there a feeling of empowerment that came with it? Yes, there was. I don't remember feeling a sense of loss. I remember feeling a little concerned, like, okay, this is something I can do, and am I going to become addicted? Is it going to be hard for me to quit? Uh, will it affect my health? Uh, and, of course, at 19, at the time, uh, my answer was, oh, no, I can, I can handle this. Yeah, totally. And was any part of your motivation, so you're dating this woman and she's encouraging you, um, what was it like to kiss a smoker when you weren't one? <laughs> was that part of it? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't like that. And no. I would make her brush her teeth before she'd come to bed. Right. Yeah, we were living together in Boston and uh, I would make her brush her teeth. Right. So becoming a smoker took care of that problem. Yeah, it was just one hassle eliminated. <laughs> So when you tell her, was she affirming? Was she? How did she receive your decision? Um, I don't remember exactly. Uh-huh. Um, Wasn't such a big deal for her. I don't think it was that big a deal. You know, it was kind of. I think she was more surprised that I didn't smoke. Oh, to begin with. Yes. Right, because it sounds like it was so normal. It was so everybody. It was doing so it. much a part of her world. So much a part of really the world that we were living in yeah. at that time. Yeah. This was, you know, the early 80s. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. a whole other time. It's, it's I mean, I smoked in college in the classroom. During classes. During classes. Something, isn't it? Right. And, you you know, I know in talking about this with you before, you were saying in high school there was a smoking room. The high school that I went to had a smoking room in each dormitory, which was disgusting. You know, it just reeked. Um, and a smoking room for the school. Uh, I can't remember the name of the building, but it was in the basement of some building. Uh-huh. Um, and it was this social setting. And at the time, I didn't smoke. I see. Did you go down there and kind of experiment now and then? No, it stank. I see. <laughs> I see. No, it was, to me, it was gross. It reeked down there. It reeked, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there you are. You're 19. You're dating this woman, and you decide. And then... What was it like to become a smoker? Did it change anything for you? What What was your early experience of being a smoker? You know, I think I remember the first time that I sensed the benefits. Mm. And that was I was working a boat show, uh, I think at the Worcester Auditorium. And it was a chance for me because I was selling boats at the time. I was like this salesperson. You know, you come to me and maybe you want to buy a boat. And uh, my boss didn't want people smoking around potential customers, which makes sense. And so I had to 
sort of walk away and take myself apart to have a cigarette. And I remember thinking, well, this is kind of a good setup. You know, it's a sanctioned break. It's almost like the cliche, you know, smokers don't work as hard and they take all these smoke breaks and... um, I'd never heard that. People think that smokers don't work as hard? Well, no, no, no. Not that they don't work as hard, I think, but there is this myth out there that smokers don't work as much because they're forced to leave the job site to have Uh a cigarette. And it's a, you know, I think probably less and less often is it a sanctioned break, but it still is in some ways. Right, because people want you to be at a distance Mm because they don't want to breathe it. Right. I see. So the first benefit was really a feeling of like, I get a break. I get a breather. Yeah. From work. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes total sense to me. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's like when you think about you know, policymakers thinking about how to reduce the incidence of smoking, I think people think that making people go away is a, some form of social punishment to reduce. <laughs> but in fact, it really backfired uh, for you. Not, not punishment for me. Right. Yeah. In fact, quite desirable. Space. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like we, we were talking about how me smoking creates space between myself and the world and others. So it's um, like a buffer. Totally a buffer. Yeah. yeah. What other benefits does it give you? Uh, I love the tactility of it. There's a sensual pleasure in it for me. Like the feel of the paper? Um, the feel of the sharp corners on the box. The feel of the sort of smooth paper of the cigarette. The, the feel of the filter but, you know, on my lips, between my lips. It's, it's the, the tactility of it is, I think, where I get pleasure the actual Mm -hmm. um sensation of the smoke and the taste of it is is not pleasurable for me really after all these years it's not pleasurable yeah Uh, right now the taste in my mouth i mean i taste the nicotine all over my tongue and it's not a pleasant taste is it noxious or is it just neutral well i mean i'm accustomed to it yeah um but if i was not accustomed to it i mean i'd have to imagine it would be noxious it's uh Right. So you're used to it, but it's really, there's no pleasure in that for you. It's not about the taste at all. It's not about the taste. Now, the actual kind of neurological hit, Yeah. Um, that serves me. Okay, so tell me more about the hit. That's well, what I was it's, asking it's almost about. like a reset button, a touchstone. You know, if, if, uh, if my wife and I are in some tense place, it's very helpful for me to walk out onto the porch and smoke a cigarette. And I kind of regather myself. It's almost like the reboot, reset button. Mm. And more than just being able to walk out on the porch and take a breather from some intense interaction. That's unclear. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I th- my sense is yes. And I'm, uh, I wish that that were untrue. I wish that I could walk away in a tense situation with my wife. And in the course of four minutes or five minutes feel like I could return to, you know, a grounded, comfortable place. Right. And I'm not claiming that I can smoke a cigarette and become grounded and comfortable. Right. But I can move closer to that state. Uh Uh-huh. So it's almost like it reconnects you with yourself a little bit. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I Uh, mean, there's a reset function, I'm just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. 
Yeah. Is it also that it gives you, I mean, so often when couples are fighting, things escalate and it's so hard to know how to take a break without the other person thinking you're abandoning them or shutting them out. Mm-hmm. Is there sort of a sanctioned way to take a break where she knows it's only going to be for a brief amount of time so she doesn't get upset with you for doing it? Well, that's a good question. And uh, that's a little sticky because you know both of us. I do. Um, and I would say in our case, no. And I think it's also true, at least in my relationship with my wife, that we are able to say, okay, hang on a second here. Let's just take a break. Um, I mean, it's challenging for everybody it to is do hard. that. Yeah, that is hard. Um, yeah. That is hard. The advantage of a smoke break, I can imagine, is that, you know, one knows that that's not such a long time. <laughs> Whereas if, you know, if a spouse storms off and shuts the door, you know, you know never, when are they coming back? <clears throat> it could be even more threatening, maybe. Yeah, it's finite, it's discreet. Yeah. Discreet in terms of time. Yes. This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne. This is Safe Space, and I'm talking to Roger Amory about the inability to quit smoking and what it's been like with him to live with that experience. So I want to shift now to your, you know, fast forward many years to your attempts to quit. Um, And when you first wanted to quit, how come and how did that go? I'm trying to think the first time I, when I was living in Utah, I was on this sort of like, you know, meditation, yoga, purity thing as a smoker Um, and really felt like, you know, if I could eliminate this smoke from my life, um, I might enhance my experience. And to be honest with you, I still believe that. I think, you know. That, that notion is right on. Um, so, you know, I started really smoking addictively when I was 19. And it was probably only four years later, maybe five, where I was like, all right, it's time to stop. I need to stop. And I cycled and have continued to cycle through attempts to stop. You know, I'm 47. When I turned, as I was about to turn 30, I'll definitely stop by the time I'm 30, you know. 40, I'll definitely stop by the time I'm 40. You know, I've, I've gone and I've tried uh, Wellbutrin, yep. you know, which completely whacked me out. Um, acupuncture, hypnosis, um, you know, the only thing that has been successful for me is to replace the cigarettes with something else that can serve as a reset button for, for, and the primary example for me, uh, is intense exercise, but I'm really just replacing, you know, one drug with another. Mm-hmm. Although you could argue you're trading up. It's an upgrade, <laughs> <laughs> a free upgrade. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 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 And, and you, when the way you're talking about it is almost if that's somehow not okay to do. Is there something that feels lesser about replacing it? It doesn't feel greater or lesser. It just feels like a move sideways. Now, when I, you know, it is a healthier choice. No question. Absolutely no question. Um, And perhaps it's the direction I'm moving. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, my point is I've, I've cycled through lots of different 
tries. Yeah. So, Some as long as eight or nine months. So if you take us into the experience of it, of, of maybe the end of the try, the end of the eight or nine months when, when you pick up the cigarette again, how does that go inside? How, what happens? Try, try asking that a slightly different way. Okay, so you've been, you haven't been smoking for eight months, and, and then something happens and you start again. What is the process inside your mind that, where you decide to smoke? The first thing that came to mind was a sense of entitlement. Like, I deserve this. This is something I can give to me. Yeah. You know? This is my own. Right. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, coupled with that is this complete sense of a failure. You know, I realize that's the topic of your show, but that is the experience for me. Like, here I am again. I've just lasted eight months, and here I am again smoking. Yeah. And, and the, the, the transition back to kind of a, a, a comfortable rationalization for my relationship with cigarettes, that transition back to that place of comfort is riddled with shame and guilt. Going into the store, buying a pack of cigarettes, I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this, even though I fantasized about doing it every single day for the last nine months. Here I am yet again, walking into a convenience store and asking for a pack of cigarettes. Right. And are you imagining, do you have a dialogue in your head about what the cashier is thinking about you? Or is it really all internal? No, it's internal. I, I don't. And so the, for those eight or nine months, you've fantasized about this every day. Have you ever had an, a, a, a try at quitting where you didn't fantasize about it every day? Not that I can remember, Anne. Yeah, well, that feels really important. So there's some way that it was always the longing was well, so Well, it's strong. an addiction. And, and I, you know, you may or may not be blessed to have not really lived experientially an, an addiction. But I think that's part of the nature of addiction. Yeah. You know, take my, take, here's what I'm addicted to. Take it away from me. I want it. And I want it now and I want it now. And I want it now. And later and later and then right. I'll want it too. Right. Yes. Yes. And so um, for you, so there you are. You're going back into the store. You, you have this rationalization going that's comfortable and familiar. But at the same time, you're feeling riddled with, oh, God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, has that, I can't believe I'm doing this, has that ever served you? Has that ever gotten you out of the store before you bought it? I don't think if I've walked in with the intention of buying a pack of cigarettes, no. By the time I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to smoke a cigarette, you know, I make up, I'm, you know, I, I create some little construct that allows me to do that, and I do it. Yeah. And what kind of, what would be an example of a construct? I'll just smoke one. Ah, uh, okay. Just this one. Yeah, just this one. And I will do that for a month or two. I'll buy a pack of cigarettes, six bucks a pop. I'll smoke one cigarette and then get rid of the pack of cigarettes. Every day for a month? Um, I've done that maybe not for a month, but certainly for two weeks. Right. Certainly. So it's like this tortured struggle every day. Oh, brutal. Oh, God, it sounds brutal. brutal. Yeah. Brutal. And so... Um, one side of you is saying, I deserve this. I need a break. This is all mine. And another side is saying, I can't believe you can't do this. What's, do you go to the place of, like, what's wrong with you? How come other people can do this? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Because yeah. most of my friends um, were smokers before I met them, you know, and they were able to quit smoking. Um, many of them say, oh, I'd continue to smoke if, if I didn't know that it was so unhealthy for me. And how does it feel when they say that to you? Uh, well, it, in a way, it sanctions my smoking because I, I'm not the only one that feels pleasure from this. That I know, wants to be smoking. I know that. Right. I know that. And because they've been able to get rid of their addiction, and I have not, it makes me think like, well, what's up with me? You know, what, what made them able to do it? And not yeah, me. Yeah. This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Ann. This is Safe Space. And I'm talking to Roger Amory about the inability to quit smoking. And we're talking about the, the agony of comparing yourself to others who have been able to quit smoking. And do you, and this is a very personal question, and you don't have to answer it if it's uncomfortable. Do you then have theories about what is wrong with you? I mean, do you have ideas that you think do that explain that do i have theories about what's wrong with me yeah sure like oh is it that i'm too this am i too that i can't imagine you don't have theories about that um i'm not sure well if you don't i'm glad for you because those are very painful theories (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I know that if I'm feeling like something's wrong with me, uh, well, I'm I know feeling, what, you know, I, I mean, go there. I'm sorry. I completely talked over you. It's all right. I just know that that's such an easy thing to do, to start thinking, oh, well, this is what, I mean, I'm weak or I'm, you know, there's something morally f- deficient in me or, you know, I don't know if you go there. I don't have the moral deficiency fantasy. Um, uh, I think of myself kind of as a pleasure junkie. Um yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I think, hardwired as an addict. And, you know, I'm really, really fortunate to not have been exposed to something like heroin. Because um, I think it probably would have taken me out. Mm. You know, yeah. I, I mean, in my youth, I did lots of various drugs. And they were quite easy to leave behind. Nicotine has not been. Uh, and if I take nicotine away, I need to replace it with something historically. Yeah. So I don't, you know, there's not, I don't feel like, oh, I'm morally flawed. Uh, I, but I, you know, I wish I could quit. You know, I'd like right. to quit very much. Yeah. I think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Yeah. And are you kind of hatching strategies in your mind? Like this time I'm going to do this and this time I'm going to bring in that and, Always, always trying to think about how to maximize success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever have times where you just feel helpless before it? Like, I, I, I can't do this. I, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I know, um, I don't know if there's 12 steps for, for cigarettes, but I know in AA, you know, the first step is to admit you're powerless before it. Do you feel that way? Um, I certainly feel powerless. You know, I mean... In relation specifically to nicotine, not like in your whole life. Well, I mean, you know, we could go off on the whole notion of power for a long time. We um, could. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of my relationship to cigarettes, um, historically and to date, I am powerless. That's been proven. Uh, I do not necessarily believe that that will continue to be true. 
And do you think that serves you or doesn't serve you to believe that? A sense of hope? Like I, yeah, like is it optimism that's in the serving you or well, is it denial that's not, you know? Like, do you wonder that? Well, I'm not quite sure I understood that, but how does hope serve me? Does it or does it not? It backfires because I will, you know, I, I've been able to do many things. I've been able to do many challenging, difficult things. And uh, I'm resolute. Yes. And yet, this whacks me down every time. So I can go in hopeful and think, you know, well, Pokey, you can do hard things. Uh, yeah. This is a hard thing I haven't been able to do. I've failed over and over and over again. Uh, it's weird. It's it's weird. Right. It's humbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think it affects your sense of self-confidence in other areas of your life? Well, you know, one, what I was going to say is that just having bad breath constantly affects the way that I interact with others. Right. How close you feel like you can get. Yes. And how, whatever the word is, explicative or, you know, ex- uh, I don't know. How much exhalation I can do <laughs> oh, as right. I talk. Right. So there's like, there's a way that you inhibit I your speech. I inhibit my speech. I inhibit my mouth as I talk with others. Not not always, but I do do that. That's incredibly limiting. And I no know kidding. it for a fact because when I'm not smoking, it's what a relief. What a relief to to feel like I don't stink. I mean, I can imagine it restricts your your own exuberance about something. I mean, you just, you're like... It's not just your mouth, but it might be the level of, af- you know, of feeling that mm-hmm. you can express. Yeah. Yep. How about, you know, how about for you as a parent? You know, I know you got these messages from your parents. And um, how, what is, how, what is your relationship to smoking in terms of the impact that you f- feel it may have on your daughter? And how does that shape this? Um, I wonder about that. You know, I, I, I've seen probably the same statistics you have. And my wife reminds me of them periodically uh, in that, you know, child of smoker, more likely to become smoker. And more true, I believe, for daughters than sons. Um, I didn't know that. I'm not sure that that's true, uh, but I think it is. And so uh, do I worry that our daughter will smoke? I don't worry that she'll smoke. You know, she may smoke. She may not. Um if I could model something around addiction for her, as in, you know, I can, I can rise above it or I can leave it behind, that would feel really good. That would feel really good. You know, I, I, I feel like I've provided her with, um, you know, a good enough role model in many ways. But he, this is a way that I haven't. Do you let her into your struggle with it? Does she oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So she knows that at times you're tortured about it or that you feel like, oh. Does she know to the extent to which I'm tortured by it? I doubt it. Does my wife know that? I doubt it. Um, yeah. And, and how come? How come you keep that to yourself? Well, I don't know. I think it demonstrates weakness. I think it's the demonstration of my weakness right there that I feel, you know, ashamed to express, afraid to express. 
um, you know, I have this myth of being strong. And here's an example where I'm weak. Right. I can imagine, too, a wanting to protect yourself from some <clears throat> not helpful comment from someone else. And I don't know, do you get comments from other people that actually really are very unhelpful or even shaming? No. No. So your wife reminds you the statistics, but you don't, it doesn't like set you back. I don't feel shamed in that scenario. No, I mean, the shame is, is self induced. Yeah, it sounds like it's much more of yeah. an internal battle. No, I, don't, I can't place blame on anyone for, for that sense of shame that I feel. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for people in your life who really love you, who are your friends, family, um, what, is the, what is the best way for them to support you in this? You know, what would you, what's your ideal wish for that? Well, if, if every cigarette I smoke was replaced with just wonderful good things all the time. <laughs> so let's say 20 cigarettes a day, that would be, you know, 20 wonderful, pleasurable things a day. <laughs> now that's sounding pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that. Mm. So... Do you have plans to attempt again? How do you? How long does it take to build up to a next attempt? Uh, I definitely have plans to attempt again, and I'm going to actually keep them completely silent because I feel like yeah, it's it's sometimes a setup. It's like oh, and yeah, I, I'm going to quit smoking uh, on you know right. this day, and then ten days later we run into each other, and yet again I've failed. Right. Uh, so much harder. I can appreciate that. Um, I want to just ask you um, if you, you know, if you live your whole life and smoke the whole of it, do you do you feel like at some level you could make peace with that? I guess I won't know that. Right, I, I can't know that. Um, I, you know, I feel at peace. I don't feel like. I am shameful. I don't feel like a failure. I feel like I have failed to date to quit smoking. And so I understand a little bit about what it feels like to feel yes. like a failure. You know, and I carry shame around that. But it's not who I am. That feels like such a great note in which we need to end. Roger Amory, thank you so much for being my guest on Safe Space. This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Ann. I've been talking to Roger Amory about coping with feelings of failure in relationship to the inability to quit smoking. If you have a request for a future topic and would like to email me, I'm at drannwmpg at gmail.com. That's dr.annewmpg at gmail.com. Next week, I'll be interviewing Dr. Richard Schwartz about his feelings of failure, about his divorce as a couples therapist. Um, Coming up next is Allison with Money Talks.